We invite you into this place this morning. Lord, we just we need more of you. You are our hope. You are the one we can look to no matter what we're going through in life. You are God who can do impossible things. You've done impossible things in our past, and we can trust you no matter where we're at this morning that you will do impossible things in our future. So God, I'm just going to pray and ask that you'd fill this place with faith, that you would fill our hearts with more of your presence and give us the hope that only you can give, uh, Lord, so that we don't lose heart, but that we carry on through whatever we're going through. And so Lord, help us. Help us this morning. Help us to hear from your word and to grow from it. And we're going to ask this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Adam Brooke. It's good to be here with you. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, I do want to just give you a warm welcome. We're glad you're here. We love you. And uh, we're glad that you chose to be here at Edinburgh Church this morning. Um, if you're watching online, also just want to say, hey, we're glad you're tuned in, that you're with us online. And, and just a couple of things. Um, I, I want you to uh, just be aware, because I, I think I told you last week that uh, Amanda, who's our worship pastor interim. Uh, she was going into labor last Sunday. Uh, actually, when I was getting up to do the message, she had a healthy baby boy that she's named Keegan. And I just want to encourage you guys to keep uh, Keegan and the family. Yeah. Why, yeah. <laughs> Is that not a cute baby? Uh, keep, them in your, keep them in your prayer. I also want to let you know that um, this upcoming week on Friday, uh, we've got a team of 66 uh, people who are going up to Trout Lake Camp for something we call a winter retreat. Uh, 47 of those 66 are students. And so we just want to pray that whether they're students or they're volunteers, uh, that uh, as they worship together and as they hear God's word taught together and as they just have fun together, that God will impact their lives and uh, empower them for the purpose he has for each one of them. So keep them in your prayer. Just want you to be aware of that. But this morning, I'm going to talk about not losing heart. I want to talk about how do we battle discouragement, because discouragement is a part of life. So how do you and I battle discouragement, fight through it, so that we don't lose heart? Uh, my son has been playing baseball since about the time he could walk, and he's, he's nine years old, but he... Uh, has been playing baseball for a long time. He started playing t-ball, and he was really excited when he got to move on from t-ball to playing actual baseball. It started with machine pitch. And so he got put on a team, and it was just so fun watching this team. They were actually a really good team, and uh, they had to battle through some adversity. I remember in the playoffs, uh, them being down nine runs one game. And uh, this team in the ninth inning rallied and battled back, and Logan's team ended up winning that playoff game, going into the championship. And I honestly, as a, as a proud father, it was one of the coolest sporting events I've ever been a part of, seeing these young boys battle through that adversity. They went to the championship. They ended up losing the championship game, but it was still a great season. And I asked Logan afterwards, I said, what do you think about baseball? And Logan said, Dad, I love baseball. I can't wait till the next season. Well, the next season rolled around, and Logan started playing baseball again. This year, he, he, this season, he got put on like this really good team, and they didn't even really have much adversity. I think they went undefeated throughout the season. They ended up winning the championship. Just a, just a great year. And so I asked Logan, what do you think about baseball? And Logan said, I love baseball, Dad. I can't wait till the next season. Well, that next season was this past season. But this year, it was a little bit of a different story. 
It seemed like the season was starting off well. His team was up the first game. Now they were up nine runs. But in the ninth inning, the other team rallied and, and battled back and ended up beating them. And the rest of the year was just like that. It was a really rough year. They only ended up winning like two, three games. And at the end of that season, I said, Logan, what do you think about baseball? And he said, Dad, I hate baseball. <laughs> Next year, I'm playing soccer. You know, as I, I watched these kids this last season playing baseball, losing game after game after game, I could see the discouragement creeping up on their faces. You could see that they were losing heart, and by the end of the season, they really didn't care that much. Life can be a lot like that. When we are adults, however, the stakes are a lot higher, and there's a lot more consequences when we lose heart. We wish life could be as simple as playing between two chalk lines. But when we get older, we know that it's not baseball. And there's this temptation for us to lose heart because life is filled with all kinds of discouragements. I just talked with a uh, mom who's got a teenage daughter who has gone off the rails and it's cost the family Lots of money and just legal bills as she's found herself getting into so much trouble. She's run away from home multiple times. She only calls when she needs something. And it's starting to take a toll on their marriage. It's starting to take a toll on the family. And she didn't even have to say it. I could just see her body posture. She was losing heart. I talked to a, a, a man a few months back who is in a custody battle for his daughter. The daughter was living with the mom, but they found out that the daughter wasn't being treated properly, and she was malnourished, and they took her into the doctor and found out it was even stunting her growth. And so now this father's been having to go to court battle after court battle after court battle to try to win back his daughter. He didn't have to say it, but I could just see it in his eyes. He was beginning to lose heart. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a young man here at Edinburgh Church uh, after one of the services, and he was dealing with depression, and he was dealing with anxiety, and he said, I'm so overwhelmed. He said, I've got school, I've got my, my work, I've got all these activities that I'm going to. He said, I'm just feeling overwhelmed with life, and nobody seems to understand. My coworkers have a good time. They, they're, having, they're laughing it up, but I just want to be by myself. No one seems to get it. He said, I've been dealing with this addiction, and I thought I had come out of it, and I was doing so well, but I found myself going right back to it. And I could just tell that this young man was a losing heart. You know, we can lose a lot of things in life. You can lose our wallet, and yeah, it's a pain. You've got to replace your credit cards, and maybe you lose some cash. But you can eventually get those things back, and life goes on. You can lose your keys. You can lose your cell phone. And it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but life goes on. But we can't afford to lose heart because when we lose heart, we get into trouble. That's why I love what the Apostle Paul says in uh, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. He actually says it twice in chapter 4. He says, we do not lose heart. Why did Paul feel like this was important to say this to the church of Corinth? Why did he need them to know that he wasn't losing heart. Well, he goes on to say in verse 8, chapter 4, he says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. He says, We are perplexed, meaning they had moments where they wondered, Where is God? Why is God allowing this to happen? 
And uh, they didn't always know what to do next. But he says, we're not driven to despair. He says, we're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. He said, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly was the Apostle Paul dealing with? What was his struggle? We get uh, a better glimpse of that in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. He kind of fills in the gaps for us. When he says this, he says, Five different times the authorities gave me 39 lashes. By the way, 40 was considered a death sentence. And uh, Paul, five different times, had been given 39 Three times I was beaten with rods, and by the way, this was something that happened publicly, so this would be a very humiliating thing. He says, once I was stoned, all right, for my newer brothers and sisters in the faith, just to be clear, all right, this is where they would throw rocks at you until you died, all right, different kind of stoning. Um, He says, three times I was shipwrecked. You know, I know some of you, you've just been in a car wreck. And you've wondered, why would God have allowed that to happen? Well, three different times Paul was in a shipwreck, and we're told that he spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea on one occasion. He says, I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I face danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. The Apostle Paul was constantly criticized during his ministry. He says, I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. The Apostle Paul had experienced pain. He had gone hungry. And he would even had sleepless nights where he was cold because he didn't have the proper clothing to keep him warm. And yet the Apostle Paul says, I do not lose heart. Friends, we're in this series experiencing the goodness of God. And our hope for this series is that we could be a people. Imagine if you and your family could be a people that when you get knocked down, you had such a confidence in the goodness of God, in the promises of God in your life, that you didn't stay down. But you were able to get back up, like the Apostle Paul. And the question I want to ask you this morning is simply that, are you starting to lose heart? Is there something in your life that's causing you to start losing heart? You know, for some of you, the answer to that question would be yes. You're starting to lose heart. And it's more than just the fact that your boyfriend broke up with you or the fact that you didn't get that job you applied to. It's more than the, the health diagnosis that you just received. It's, it's something deeper than that. It's this feeling that you have. It's a feeling of hopelessness. It, it, it's a feeling of despair. You find yourself saying stuff like, I don't know if, I can, if I'm ever going to be happy again. Or maybe you find yourself saying, I don't know how God could ever bring good out of this situation. You've started to lose heart. Maybe some of you, you've even begun to question life itself and you've contemplated taking your own life. But friends, what I want to say to you this morning, I want to join with the Apostle Paul and tell you, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. How? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. And if you have an outline, I encourage you to follow along in your outline. We can learn from chapter 4 
just a few things that the Apostle Paul teaches us so that we don't lose heart when we battle through discouraging seasons in life. The first thing we can do is focus on Christ, not myself. This is the first thing we need to do is focus on Christ. When I'm focused on Christ, it is hard to lose heart. As I was studying chapter 4, I came upon verse 5, and the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You can see what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's saying Jesus is our focus. We live for Jesus and Jesus' purposes, not our own. You know, I think if you were to ask the average 21st century American, um, what do you do in times of discouragement? What do you do when you're tempted to lose heart? I think the average American would say, well, you need to believe in yourself. Just trust in yourself. And find your inner strength in yourself. But that's not what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says, no, we need to put our focus on Christ because it's only in Christ. That's where we find our inner strength. Uh, A Christian writer of the 20th century said it this way. She said, if I look to the world, I'll be distressed. If I look to myself, I'll be depressed. But if I look to Christ, I'll find rest. Saying, if I look to Christ, I will find the inner strength I need to battle through my discouragement so that I don't lose heart. I just recently heard a story uh, about a father who had a teenage daughter that was dating someone, uh, you know, he didn't approve of. And she knew that this guy wasn't good for her either, but every time she tried to get away, she found herself going right back. And so the dad tried everything to get her to stop dating uh, this, this young man. You know, he tried to put boundaries in place, but she just would go around his back. Uh, You know, he found her um, sneaking out uh, to go on dates with this young man. He found nothing that he tried was working. So he talked to a friend, and this friend said, what you need to do is you need to give her a greater story. You, You can think about it this way. This guy is probably the most exciting thing in her life right now, the friend said. He's exciting. He's fun. But you need to give her something greater. So after thinking about it, the father came home and he mentioned to his family that what they were going to do was they were going to adopt this city in South America, this little village. And so they adopted it. They actually started flying down there and visiting the people and uh, spending time getting to know the people of this village. The daughter got so involved with this ministry that she actually started doing fundraisers, raising money so that they could build a, a well there where the people could have clean drinking water. And about a year in, the father just casually kind of asked his daughter, he said, so are you still seeing so-and-so? She said, Dad, I don't have time for him. I dumped him months ago. The father had given her a greater story. You know, as I think about in our culture and with many of us today, one of the things that's causing us to lose heart is just the state of our world. We're looking around at our world and we're returning on the news and we hear all these news stories, these negative news stories. We listen to talk radio and we hear what's going on. Uh, many of us know that, you know, less and less people are going to church and it seems like our country's turning its back more and more on the word of God. And this can be really discouraging. But friends, I want to remind you that Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still in control. 
Jesus still has the whole world in his hands. And he is still working through people like you and me to accomplish a great story here on earth. Friends, at our Christmas services, we just had 19 kids make first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. 19 kids who are going to now have the Holy Spirit in them and who are going to grow up and the trajectory of their lives is going to be different. Meaning their kids' lives could possibly be different. Future generations could possibly be different. We just had 52 adults indicate first-time decisions in the last three months for Jesus Christ. 52. And these are people who got back to us and said, and now Edinburgh, I want you to help me to take next steps. Friends, God is still in control. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still doing amazing work here on earth. And he wants to do a great story in our life. But we have to focus on Christ, not ourselves. The second thing we learn from chapter 4 is that I need to trust God to work through my weaknesses. I need to trust God to work through my weaknesses. I don't know if you've ever met someone who's kind of a big deal, but if you were to talk to them, you would never know it. Um, at our Christmas services, we had a DJ here by the name of Benny Kay. He was down in the gym, and he was a DJ because we, we had this dance party for our beginnings ministry. These are our little ones, our, our under-kindergarten uh, age group. And so they had this giant dance party slash birthday party for Jesus during our Christmas services. And Benny Kay was the DJ that, we were, that was recommended to us. So he was down there making it a fun time for the kids. Well, we had many conversations with Benny Kay. He never mentioned this. We found out through somebody else that Benny Kay was actually someone who DJed the Dove Awards. Now, if you don't know what the Dove Awards are, you just need to know that this is the biggest Christian music artist award that takes place uh, in, in, the, in the U.S., where bands and, and artists like uh, Hillsong and Toby Mac and Lauren Daigle are, are a part of. And we found out that Benny Kay was actually the DJ for this award ceremony. Then we found out that he was also the DJ at the uh, Pulse event that just took place this last summer. If you're not familiar with the Pulse event that took place, it's where thousands of people packed out U.S. Bank Stadium. They had this giant concert with bands like Lecrae and Hillsong Free. Hundreds of people gave their life to Christ at this event. And we found out that Benny Kay was the DJ at this. We didn't know this. I, I don't know about you. If, if I had been Benny Kay, I would be trying to work that into every conversation I could. You know, like somebody would be like, oh, man, it's a nice day. And I'd be like, do you see that bird? That kind of looks like a dove. Speaking of doves, have you heard of the Dove Awards? Um, be like, hi, Brent Hall, Dove Awards 2018. Yes, that's me. Right, oh, let me check my pulse. Right, you heard it? If I, if I were Benny Kay, I would have been trying to tell people about this. We never heard this from Benny Kay. Don't we admire people like that? We do. We admire humble people like that. And why are people able to be like that, where they don't need you to know about all their accolades? It's because they have an inner strength in them. This is very similar to the Apostle Paul. In fact, he says this in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. He says, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Why? Why would someone not boast about themselves and just boast about their weaknesses? Well, let's go back to chapter 4. He tells us there. He says this, he says, we who have this spiritual treasure 
are like common clay pots. In order to show that the supreme power, it belongs to God, not to us. What's this spiritual treasure that the Apostle Paul is talking about here? He's talking about the message of Christ. And he is saying the message of Christ has been given to us, and it's been put in these clay pots. The clay pots represent you and me. Common clay pots. It's our bodies. It's our life. Fragile. Weak. If I were to take this clay pot, I'm not going to do it, and I were to throw it at the ground, it would shatter into hundreds of pieces. And so this raises the question, why would God take his treasure and would he put it in a weak, common clay pot? Well, he tells us. It's to show that the supreme power belongs to him. When people see God working through people who have weaknesses, they can't help but go, God must be doing that. That's the power of God at work in that person's life. But see, many of us, we don't want to be a clay pot. We want to be Spider-Man. You're not Spider-Man. How many times do I have to keep telling you this? But we want to be Spider-Man. We want to be the fancy, flashy lunchbox. But God doesn't need flash. God doesn't need you to have it all together. God doesn't need you to have special skills. God is just fine brown bagging it. Friends, many of us in here, we think we've got to have some kind of special skill or talent. We think we've got to be popular or good looking to accomplish the purpose of that God has for our life. No, all God needs is a willing heart. He doesn't need you to be perfect. You can still have struggles like the rest of us. You can still deal with temptations and even addictions like the rest of us. You just need to have a willing heart and say, God, use my life. And it's not just the world then that sees God working through you. You start to see God working through you. And you know what happens? Your, your faith is strengthened. And it makes it really hard to lose heart. Because you've seen God working in your life. And so I just want to stop and ask you, is there something that God has put on your heart lately? Is there some kind of desire that he's given you? As long as it's not sin, friends, I want to encourage you to pursue that. Because that just might be the ministry God has for you. And your faith just might be strengthened through that so that you don't lose heart. Well, the last thing we learned from chapter 4 is that I need to live by faith and not by sight. I need to live by seeing things that I can't actually see rather than the problems that I do see. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 17. He says, And this small and temporary trouble we suffer, because he was suffering. He says it will bring us tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble itself. For we fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen is eternal. It lasts forever. What the Apostle Paul is saying is he, here is he's learned how to take his eyes off of the problem and to put his eyes on the promises, the promises that God gives us. There's a story in the book of Mark, the, the gospel of Mark, and I love this story. It's this father who's got this son who's being tormented by an evil spirit. 
And we're told this is a pretty extreme case. This evil spirit is taking this boy and causing him to throw himself into fires and apparently into lakes and, and, and water in order to try to drown himself. And so the father is really concerned for his son, but you read the story, you get the sense this father is beginning to lose heart. But he hears about this Jesus. And so in kind of a last-ditch effort, he takes his son to see Jesus. And he says this, he says, Have pity on us, Jesus, and help us, if you possibly can. And this is kind of a last-ditch effort. Jesus, maybe you can help me. Maybe some of you are even here this morning, kind of a last-ditch effort. Jesus, if you can help me, I'm seeing if you can. Jesus replies with this. He says, if you can, if you can, do you know who I am? What do you mean, if I can? He says, everything is possible for one who believes. And I love what the Father says next. He says, I do have faith but not enough. Help me have more. Jesus loves this kind of honesty. He doesn't get mad that this man's saying, I don't have the faith I need. Rather, Jesus grants this man the faith he needs because of his honesty, and the boy is healed and set free from this evil spirit. And the question I want to ask you this morning, what area of your life do you need God to give you some more faith? What challenge in your life or struggle in your life do you need God to give you more faith? What promise of God do you need God to give you more faith to trust in and to stand on and to live your life by? Maybe it's Romans 8.28 that says, For we know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. This verse is saying God will take whatever situation you're in and he will work it out for a greater good. Maybe some of you this morning, you need help believing that. Maybe it's Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. This is God saying, I have a good, good plan for your life. Maybe some of you, you just need some help this morning believing that. Maybe for others of you, you just need some help believing that eternal life is real. Maybe for some of you, your bodies are starting to fail you this morning. Or maybe you found yourself contemplating death. And you just need to know, is this eternal life thing, this heaven that we're, talk, that we're promised in God's word, is this real? You need help believing that this morning. This is what Apostle Paul says in... Verse 16 of chapter 4, he says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, he's talking about our bodies, we're dying, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our bodies are weakening, our bodies are dying, but our spirit remains strong because our spirit is eternal and our spirit will last forever. Danielle and I had a friend uh, many years ago. Her name was Callie, Callie Hendrickson. And she was a ministry partner of mine. We did a lot of great ministry together. And one day I call up Callie, and we're on the phone, and I can tell something's wrong. She's not talkative, she's not talking, and I, in fact, I can start to hear her crying on the other end. I said, Callie, is everything okay? Uh, can, I, can I ask what's going on? And Callie informs me she had just gotten back from the doctor's office and the doctor had told her she actually had stage 
for colon cancer. The prognosis was not good. And uh, there was a season of grief, and there was a season of asking the question why. There was a season where we were perplexed. But Callie determined that she was not going to let that define her life. And so she started digging into God's Word, and she started studying the promises of God's Word. She started rallying people around her to pray with her. And she started growing deeper and deeper and deeper in her faith. In fact, she didn't just sit on the sidelines. She began using it as a platform, every opportunity she could get to speak anywhere, to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And friends, I would like to tell you that God took the cancer away, but he didn't. At some point, I got a phone call, and it was a friend calling me to say, Callie's not doing too well. And so I drove over to her parents' house. Callie was in her bed and hooked up to all these tubes. I had never seen anyone so thin in my life. And yet even as she was in this bed, knowing that death was imminent, she was hopeful, she was smiling, and she was talking about the glory to come. And at the end of our conversation, I leaned over her, and I had tears now coming down my face. I've never seen anyone like this. But Callie said something to me I'll never forget. She said, don't cry for me. She said, I've been walking with God for the last two years. She said, his power is real in my life. She said, I know where I'm going. Don't cry for me. We'll see each other again. Two days later, Callie died. But friends, I want to have faith like that. I love you, and I want you to have that kind of faith. Not the kind of faith where we gather in church and we talk about the Bible and we treat this like it's some kind of self-help or some kind of you know, moral therapy or some kind of way just to help us eke ourselves through life. I'm talking about where we actually believe and stand on the promises of God and believe they are rock solid to build our lives upon. That's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of faith I want you to have. And so friends, where's that area of your life you need help trusting? Where's that area of your life you need God to strengthen your faith so that you can stand on his promises so that you don't lose heart? And so I'm going to close this out this morning. What I want to do is I, I want to pray over us. And I want to pray that God would strengthen our faith. That like this man who came to Jesus and found healing for his son, that we could come to Jesus and have our faith strengthened so that we could experience the power of God, so that God would be real in our lives. And we would know when he makes a promise, he's good for it. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask you to stand up if you're able to. And you can just bow your heads with me. And as our heads are bowed and we're just kind of connecting our hearts in this moment with God, I want you to just think about what is that area of your life where you need help? Do you really believe these things? Do you, do you really believe the promises that God gives us in his word? Do you believe that all things are going to work out for your good? Do you truly believe that? 
Do, do you believe that God has actually a good plan specifically for your life? Even though you've had doors shut on you and it seems like you just can't catch a break, do you, do you believe that the day's going to come where you're going to see that God has a good plan for your life? Do you truly believe that when life ends here, you're going to go to this place called heaven, which we're told is a place where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. It's a place that Jesus has prepared for all who believe in his name for the forgiveness of sin. I want to help us believe these things this morning. And so, Heavenly Father, we need your help. We need your grace. I'm just going to pray for every single person who's in here or who's watching online. Would you just strengthen our hearts in this moment? Would you give us the faith that we need to trust and to believe in these things? Would you help make Jesus the focus of our life and help us to live for a greater story than ourselves so that our faith could be renewed day by day so that we would know Jesus is real and so it would keep us from being tempted to despair? And Father, could you help us to actually trust that you would work through our weaknesses, imperfect people like us who have all kinds of struggles and challenges, would you actually help us to believe that you want to work through people like us and to do a work in our lives so that your power and so that your glory is seen through common pots of clay like us? And then, Father, I'm going to ask that you would help us to live by faith and not by sight and that you would help us to stand on your promises and to truly believe that when life is done here that we have this place of glory to look forward to. And I just... No, there's some in here right now. They have not made that decision. They've been playing church. They've been doing this religious exercise where they come to church and just try to feel better. But God, I'm going to ask that you would actually give us real faith this morning. That we would truly believe Jesus died so that our sin could be removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Past, present, future sin could be removed as far as the east is from the west. That God, you would call us your children and that you truly would have this place called heaven prepared and ready for us when that day comes. And some in here, they just seem to say, Jesus, I believe, but I don't have enough faith, so give me the faith I need to trust you for that, that I could experience you now so that when that day comes, I have no doubts because you are so real in my life. May this be true of us, Jesus. We pray this in your powerful name because you are the one who made it all possible. Amen. Well, friends, I love you. I truly do. And if you need prayer for anything, there's going to be people up front who would love to pray with you. Maybe you're going through something and you could just use some people to pray with you. Please come up front. Receive that prayer. Otherwise, go in peace. We'll see you next week.